If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye Jr., and I'm joined by LaCroix Poppy himself, a.k.a. my fellow Forbes 30 under 30, a.k.a. Tim Ma-fucking Gettys. You're real, Bless. I can see you in person. I, I can, can feel oh you. Oh, my God. It's crazy, man. I don't know how much tears I can have left in me. Just hearing them, like, cheer made me tear up again. Yeah, no, I like, feel at it. some point, this has to start feeling real and not like a dream. But here we are doing Kind of Funny Games Daily. Our live first show together in the for studio. the first time. Not only just in the studio, but together for the first time in literal years, Bless. I cannot wait to do the show with you hundreds more times. Yes. Right I'm, here. And like, the thing that makes me emotional right now is the fact that, like, you know, we sat back at, at this desk, right, this table, and I was talking about how, like, dude, we haven't been here in two and a half years, right? Yeah. We haven't been doing the show, this show in person in two and a half years. And getting to do, God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> getting to do KHED, right, getting hired at Kind of Funny in 2020 at the top of it. You know, I came here in January, got to do this show for two and a half months, and then I went home. And <laughs> it was really tough <laughs> to, like, have my dream come true and get to do the show in person with you guys and have that taken away by a pandemic and being here feels right, man. So. I fucking love All you, right. Bless. Let's Hold rock here. this shit, man. Let's talk about some video games. Let's talk about some video games, Tim. Before we get into it, the nanobiologist writes in to patreon.com slash, or not patreon, to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD and says this. Hey, y'all. First off, congrats on the studio launch. What can we expect differently for KFGD with this new space? More zoom-ins on Kojima's face, wall of Keeley's, news articles scrolling behind you as you read off of them. What excites you most about being together again to talk about video games? Thanks, Nano. Honestly, the, the plan is to keep things kind of, kind of as they've been just in this space. And then we can figure out as we get used to the space, as we understand like how to best utilize it, what we can add, what the show should look like on an individual basis. Um, but dude, the possibilities are limitless. We have such a talented team here. We have so many cool toys to play with, but we wanna make sure we're using the right toys for the right um, shows and things. So it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But what excites me the most is like, honestly, just the energy and just being together, man. Like, it is so, so damn different and you already start to feel it, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, uh, doing the launch stream, one of the things I talked to people about was the fact that this new studio feels like it's way bigger and way it's so high production that it's almost like I don't know what to do with all this. Right. Sky's the limit right now in terms of the things that we can do with this show. And for KFGD, it's still a podcast. Right. It's still an audio show. So you want to make sure it's good for the audio people. But, you know, I think it is going to be a growing process and a figuring out process of like, all right, what do we want the show to be in person? What can we do with it? Like, how can we make it dope? I've already talked to Barrett about some things that we might do this episode to really enhance the, the, the feel of it. And so, what? sky's the limit. We'll figure it out as we go. But for now, let's talk about today's stories, which include Silent Hill's return, G4 shutting down, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live, right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us so we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, uh, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, you can use Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny on all Epic Store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be a part of the show, head to kindoffunny.com slash KFG to write in with your questions, squad ups, and more. And remember, patreon.com slash kindoffunny will get you the show ad-free plus a bevy of bonus content. 
Housekeeping for you, after today's episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily, Greg is living his dream and busting ghosts and Ghostbusters spirits unleashed. You can come see him turn Mike into a spiritual partner and see if Greg can live his dream and platinum the game in a series of sponsored streams. If you miss it live, you can catch it later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. We're playing God, and then uh, later, or right now, we're playing God of War Ragnarok, uh, and you won't have to wait too long to hear our thoughts on it. P.S. I love you, XOXO, this week is going to be our preview. You can write into kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y with your questions and listen to the episode on Friday right here on YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygames and on podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Fargo Brady, on YouTube. Today we're brought to you by Shopify and Raycon, but... We'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. A Baker's Dozen. There it is. There's the smoke. Starting with our number one, Konami confirms Silent Hill's return. This comes from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. It's finally happening. A a decade on from the last full Silent Hill game, the survival horror franchise is making a long-awaited comeback. The future of the Silent Hill series will be unveiled this week on Wednesday. Quote, in your restless dreams, do you see that town? End quote. The official Silent Hill Twitter account teased. It continues, quote, the latest updates for the Silent Hill series will be revealed during the hashtag Silent Hill transmission on Wednesday, October 19th at 2 p.m. Pacific. End quote. Our clearest confirmation of multiple Silent Hill projects being in development came earlier this month when Silent Hill movie director uh, Christoph uh, Gans blabbed about, quote, several teams working on several games. Blabbed. Quote. (laughs) Why do you have to put it like that? Why do you have to be blabbed about? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, what spoke does Tom Phillips have with uh, Christoph (laughs) over there at Konami? Tim, a new Silent Hill game, I don't think that surprises us. Um, I mean, well, look, I, I do think that it's a surprise to be announced this way. I feel like I would have put money on the next time we saw a Silent Hill project. It would have been part of either a PlayStation showcase or a Xbox event. Um, and I think my money would have been on PlayStation with all of the, the rumors that we've heard. I do think that Silent Hill is the type of rumor factory that it has been talked about so long that it's kind of just like a, a safe bet to make a rumor about because mm-hmm. at some point it to, it's going to have to happen and it's going to have to happen somewhere. Um, so for them to be doing their own thing does surprise me a little bit. And I'm interested in what it's going to end up being. Is this going to be a remake of one of the older ones? There have been the reports about, hey, they're trying to revamp this franchise. They're trying to bring it back. And that comes in the form of uh, Konami approaching different developers and different publishers with the idea. There was one floating around a while ago about Annapurna and mm-hmm. how, like, oh, yeah, we can get Annapurna to publish a game that is a more contained Silent Hill game while we work on a big or while we work with a developer to work on a remake. I think with that, sky's the limit in terms of, yeah, let's bring this franchise back and let's do it the way in which we talk about you know, Nintendo or PlayStation when it comes to, hey, as Nintendo, we're making Mario, but that doesn't just mean the mainline platformer. That means we're making um, uh, 2D Mario, 3D Mario, Mario Kart, right? And you, and you take it and you really make, you really uh, take that IP and get all, all that it's worth out of it. I think you could probably do that for Silent Hill because Silent Hill is one of those franchises where you talk to people about, and people, people are diehard Silent Hill fans, right? Uh, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not that big of a Silent Hill person. I don't think you're that big of a Silent Hill person, but I no. think we both know people that are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I was never that big of a Silent Hill person. I was definitely more Resident Evil all the time. Uh, but Silent Hill 2, I remember I, I rented it from Blockbuster a couple times and had great memories with it. Love the theme song. Absolutely love the theme song of that game. Seeing it live fantastic stuff uh but i think that what's interesting about silent hill is it hasn't had a big kind of uh i don't even want to say next gen coming out party but like even recent gen coming out party like i don't Mm. think that it's had a uh that moment that arguably even resident evil 4 was for what resident evil the franchise is right i feel like silent hill has kind of just like uh kept iterating but there's still and the analogy starts to fall apart a little bit, but they're still in the Resident Evil 1 through Code Veronica phase. Yeah. Um, and that is not even a criticism necessarily. It's just they haven't had that big moment, like the the Super Metroid to Metroid Prime uh, type of thing. And what's interesting is PT. 
right? That that was going to be potentially that moment for them. You see PT, we know what at least that demo was, that playable teaser, and it was extremely exciting because it's like, oh, Silent Hill is about to be this new thing. I don't know if we're going to get that or if it is just going to be um, an, another Silent Hill it, more similar to even like a, uh, I mean, arguably Resident Evil, you look at it with Seven and, and Village, that those are demonstrably different games with uh, even the first person aspect, right? What could a new Silent Hill look like in 2023? Tim, Dalton Tucker writes in to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, just like you can, and says, finally, we'll be getting some official, real, tangible news coming directly from the source tomorrow about the future of Silent Hill. This topic has been talked about to death, but outside of Kojima and the dream that died there, what would you like to see be done with this IP? Tim, you talk about the, the way in which Silent Hill hasn't necessarily had its Resident Evil 4 moment, right? For a new Silent Hill, or maybe pl plural, new Silent Hills games being yeah, announced. Silent Hills. Hey, so, or, yeah, Silent Hills. What could, what could Konami do with Silent Hill that gets you involved as Tim Geddes? Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we are ripe with survival horror games these days. When back in the day, it was pretty much Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Alone in the Dark, right? Mm. Then when we got to the next generation, we started getting the 360 stuff. There were the, the outlasts of the world, right? Games that were a little bit more what I would call now modern stream horror games, where it's like these like smaller experiences that are filled with a lot more jump scares um, and are kind of like these, these like cultural experience type things where the games are designed to be watch, watch people play almost as much as they are to be played themselves. I feel like Silent Hill is different than that. Silent Hill is, it's a video game, first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. I, does that make sense? Like, yeah. it, I think, needs to kind of really speak to the core fans of Silent Hill, which they definitely have, but also to gamers out there in a way that Resident Evil honestly has. Like, we we talk about Capcom a lot of how they had a, a, a handful of really bad years, and then all of a sudden they turned it around and started, like, bringing out banger after banger after banger. Um, and you look at them even with Street Fighter Six now, after Street Fighter Five. you look at them with Resident Evil, with everything that they've done, uh, where they have Seven, they have Village, they have Remake 2, Remake 3, Remake 4 is coming out. Like, they're just on this, like, hit parade when it comes to these things. And I feel like Silent Hill kind of needs, needs that. It needs to put out a game that is, like, at the quality level of a Resident Evil Village. And I know that not everybody loved Village, but I think that the the level of quality of what that game is is what I expect yeah. from a Silent Hill. It needs to feel AAA, right? Like, yes. this is the next big release of the Silent Hill franchise. And I think that's where I come from as well, where I would like to see the next Silent Hill game be the, and this is the next step, right? This is what you know, maybe what Silent Hills was going to be or whatever this new idea is, since I'm sure they're not, they're not, they're not going to have Kojima for this next one. This is what the next step of Silent Hill is. And then from there, I'll say, oh yeah, now bring up, bring up uh, the spinoffs to the remakes and, yeah. and, and all that stuff. Because I think having that next step, I think having just Silent Hill on the box and having it be this new big AAA game that excites people, that would... I think at the very least get me to play. It might get you to play, right? And oh, maybe absolutely. that then ushers us into, all right, now they're remaking the older ones. Cool. Yeah, let's let's play that. Now there's a you know a spin-off coming from Bloober Team or whoever you you decide to pull to make a spin-off. All right, cool, let's see what that's about, right? I think it's one of those IP IPs that has that name that is strong enough to get people in on like on a on a big level if you just put out something that that looks quality, that excites us, that feels like something fresh and new for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting times, man. I can't believe it's happening. And uh, tomorrow, right? Like, tomorrow yeah. we will know about what's the future of Silent Hill. Now, Tim, speaking of horror game showcases, story number two, there's also a Resident Evil showcase happening. This comes directly from at RE Games on Twitter, where they tweeted out, the next Resident Evil showcase begins October 20th at 3 p.m. Pacific time, featuring Resident Evil Village, Gold Edition, and Resident Evil 4. Everyone is welcome to co-stream the event. Tim, you are a Resident Evil fan. Huge. Does this excite you? Uh, yeah, I mean, seeing more of RE4 definitely excites me. Uh, these Resident Evil showcases have kind of proven to not necessarily bring the fire in terms of mega announcements, but they are kind of more used as updates uh, for Capcom to be able to talk about all their different Resident Evil projects, of which there are always millions, right? It mm -hmm. feels like there is always the remakes, whatever the next project is, the DLC, and then there's always the multiplayer games that somehow are still not out. Doesn't it always feel like the multiplayer Resident Evil games are just like... I feel like Verse has been in development for like the last few years. I forget yeah. if it's out or not, or I think it's coming out with the next Resident Evil 7, or a 
DLC. But yeah. yeah, there's always a multiplayer game in the ether that yeah. nobody's confident about. hundred <laughs> percent. And so I don't think that we're going to get anything mind blowing from this. Like we now that Resident Evil Four Remake is announced and uh, it's not that far away, March, right? I think it was March fourth. I want to say somewhere around that. Yeah. Somewhere around there. It's like okay, cool. Like it's coming. I don't really need that much more to be sold. I'm already sold on the game. Um, but clearly they're trying to like drum up the excitement. So I feel like having the Resident Evil showcase um is not necessarily the best branding for what this is. But I understand why they do it because next time there is a major Resident Evil announcement, they have a, a home for it. Although I bet it's going to end up being at a PlayStation showcase, anyways. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. About it. I'm trying to look up when the last Resident Evil showcase was because that felt like it was earlier this year. Unless I'm maybe conflating that and the state of play where we did get the announcement of, R of RE4. But I feel like yeah. we, we get these things fairly often, and it's that mix of like this next one, this one that's happening on the 20th, two days from now. I'm like, cool. Like I might tune into it. I might catch the headlines afterwards. Like it doesn't feel like you know must see programming for me. Absolutely. In the yeah. way that I think a Resident Evil showcase could feel like must-see programming because with Resident Evil, you're getting a new game or at least a new big drop of Resident Evil every single year, right? Last year, we got Resident Evil Village. This year, we're getting the Resident Evil uh, Village DLC. Next year, we're getting Resident Evil 4. I'm sure a year after that, we're going to get some other Resident Evil drop. They've been, they've had this cadence for a while now, and it's a really... Since 2017, good... I want to say, right? Yeah, like, starting with what? Resident Evil 2? With 7. Oh, yeah, with 7. Um, or I guess technically that came out in 2018. But it was announced in 2017 yeah. at E3, and they had like such a quick clip. So this is the first year that in a long time that we're not getting like a proper either remake or new installment in the Resident Evil franchise. We're just getting the the DLC. Yeah, but with the with the cadence, right? Like I feel like they could theoretically have a Resident Evil showcase every year that feels like somewhat of a banger, at least for what a Resident Evil showcase is, right? Yes. Hey, it is us talking about what is next in the Resident Evil franchise, whether it is the new mainline thing and then maybe hints of DLC and then hints of merch or whatever the spinoff stuff uh, is, right? A concert or whatever it is. I think Resident Evil has that kind of cachet and they have that level of output to be able to do that. But because it is, for Resident Evil, it is, hey, let's put this in the state of play because we have a partnership with PlayStation. Hey, let's, you know, drop this here and there. And now let's have a showcase that is us talking about more of Resident Evil Village, which at this point, I don't know how much that is hyping people up because we're already sold, right? Mm -hmm. We're already there for what this deal, uh, this uh, new expansion is going to be. But then also Resident Evil 4, I think that is exciting, but we have seen that before, mm -hmm. right? I think having a Resident Evil Village in that context, or having a Resident Evil showcase in that context is a bit weird, but I'm really looking forward to seeing more 4. You know, 4, I think it's going to be a, a dope as fuck uh, game when it comes out, and so I'm looking forward to that. For now, let's hop into story number three. G4 is being shut down. This comes from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. G4 TV's revival is, unfortunately, coming to, coming to an end less than a year after it relaunched, as Comcast is pulling the plug on the network behind such series as X-Play, Attack of the Show, and more. As reported by Deadline, Comcast Spectator Chairman and CEO Dave Scott penned a letter to all employees saying G4 is being discontinued immediately. Quote, Team, as you know, G4 was reintroduced last year to tap into the popularity of gaming, Scott wrote. He continued, quote, We invested to create the new G4 as an online and TV destination for fans to be entertained, be inspired, and connect with gaming content. Over the past several months, we worked hard to generate that interest in G4, but viewership is low, and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. This is certainly not what we hoped for, and as a result, we have made the very difficult decision to discontinue G4's operations, effective immediately. I know this is disappointing news, and I'm disappointed too. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for the hard work and commitment to the network, end quote. G4 officially relaunched on November 16th, 2021. This news appears to have come as a surprise, as G4 host Gerard the Completionist shared that, shared that a tweet about G4 shutdown from Wario64 is how he found out he lost his job. Gerard wasn't the only one, as Alex Goldenboy Mendez revealed he was in active nego negotiations for his new contract with G4. Uh, and that's the, end, that's the end of where I'm pulling from the article, but I think just from context and from us being online, there, there was plenty of that going around, of people being surprised that they were being laid off, right? This happened on a Sunday, and so people weren't, weren't even at work, and they were learning from social media online. Uh, but this sucks, man. 
Yeah, it absolutely sucks, man. What G4 was not even just trying to do, what they were doing was so impressive. And uh, I am so proud of the team over there. We know so many of them. Danny Pena, I just want to give him a major shout out for really kind of turning the shows into something special, taking the opportunity and running with it. And it is so sad to see so many people lose their jobs and also to lose a, a giant games media company, right? One that, that took a big swing. And I think with big swings there, you need to make sure that, that everything is right. There's the checks and balances to make sure that things can, can run. But the one thing that they definitely had was a passionate team that knew what they were doing and making really quality content. I know people have their thoughts one way or another about what they what they thought about G4 in the past, what they thought about the current G4, what the, the all of that, right? But in my mind, I think that I was extremely impressed with what modern G4 ended up being. When they first announced it was coming back, I was like, really? Like, yeah, I'll, we'll see how this goes. And I hate this, like, I told you so mentality about it because I think, personally, they proved me wrong. Putting, seeing the content that they made, I was incredibly impressed. And the team that they put together um, was all-stars, honestly. Oh, yeah. And the chemistry that they had, and I tuned in all the time to what G4 was doing. And that is a testament to the quality of that team's work. So all of this really, really sucks uh, for those reasons. And also just games media right now, media in general, all of it, it sucks to see these news stories just be more and more frequent. Um, and especially in the last couple months. And the fact that it almost feels like we can count on one hand the major outlets, um, and just it seems like they're dwindling day to day, is very, very, very sad. And I think the G4 was a very important, I mean, clearly, it was an important moment in video game history, oh, in yeah. games media history. And I, I wish that this was given more of a chance. I understand why it wasn't, and it comes down to money, and there was a lot of money being put into it and not enough money being made from it. And that comes down to the like leadership at the end of the day, not planning the whole thing correctly. And that is uh, an important thing to, to keep in mind and to look at. And when you're making decisions about these things, like you really got to think more about more than just like the pageantry of it all the pageantry has to be backing up the passion and the talent and the the production themselves and i feel like the g4 team was extremely let down yeah and yeah g4 i think is an is an interesting one because i think you know it was a very big swing uh trying to come back being the taking the format that it was right hey we're going for tv we're also going to inter for internet we're also going for streaming culture and games media culture right new modern g4 was trying to do so much and i commend them so much because i think the quality was there and the cast was there you know i mm -hmm. look at the new g4 cast and i was like dude this is an all-star team right you got plenty of people that are that are banger people working there right like they, they, they had danny they had um uh iffy they had fiona doing the the dnd show right they had people like emily rose they had they had gerard the completionist they had the black hokage they had so many talented folks working there and i think they had the the right head on their shoulders in terms of hey, yeah, let's get talented people working on these shows and let's ba back up that talent with quality production. Um, I don't, and I think it's easy to, to play, uh, what was it, armchair businessman with this one. Because I think, for the most part, so many of us looked at G4 and were like, all right, let's see if this works, right? Like, this is, again, a big swing. This is something that we don't see as often. This is something we've seen fail recently, especially when you look at Venn and you look at other um, uh, big outlets that were trying to go for, hey, we want to bring the gaming culture to TV and we want it to have big production. With that, I think you go into it knowing the risks, and I think it sucks to see it end this way, right? Mm -hmm. I think I'm with you that I think it needed more of a shot. I'm shocked to see it end less than a year after launching. I would have given it at least at least two years of going, right? Like, hey, let's really try with this thing. Let's really push it. Let's really try and ride out at least two years. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we'll you know shut down in a way that isn't a, a, a shock to the people working there, right? Like, I think there are better ways to, to bring this thing to a close. Um, but, man, like, I, this is something that I wanted to see win because I did Me enjoy too. the content. I think, the, I think they had a, uh, a good vision there. But it's a vision that is tough with the business reality of what producing a thing on that level is like. Um, and so, yeah, of course, like, our thoughts go with the people that are working. We're working for G4, right, and, and might be looking for whatever, the, whatever thing is coming next for them because I know that, for me, is the, is the biggest heartbreak that, like, so many talented people are now like, all right, what am I going to do next? Yep. Uh, and really quick, I just saw it popping up in our uh, YouTube chat. Like, let's not 
point fingers at like one person who was on talent or production or something like that. Like you two have been saying on the show, like this felt like a mismanagement from leadership and people who are higher up who wanted to bring this back. It just, it breaks my heart to see people in our chat being like, Oh, let's uh, blame it on this one person. That's not cool. Don't do that shit here. 100%. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's easier to track back of like, it's just, G4 is, is just such a difficult thing to bring back in that way. And going back to, to even mentioning the importance of G4 in games media, right? Like, I, I would love to, to talk to plenty of people in games media about, like, hey, where did this start for you? Because I think for a lot of people, it would be G4. Mm-hmm. G4 is my first, you know, foray into uh, consuming games media content, right? Like, I watched G4 before YouTube was around. Uh, and I know so many people that probably did the same thing. I remember watching, what was it? It was like cinema... It was cinema something, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where it was just game trailers. It was just, it wasn't even trailers. It was just game footage, yeah. right? Yeah. Cinema. Like, cinema something, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. I remember seeing that. Cinema Sims, right? No, no not no, Cinema no. Sims. Okay. Cinema Tech. Cinema Tech. Cinema Tech. Cinema Tech. Yeah. I remember watching Cinema Tech and that just opened just my Just watching mind. Need for Speed Underground footage and you're yeah. just like, whoa. Because I was a kid with an N64. Uh, who was very limited to, hey, I'm playing Mario Party, and I'm playing these Mario and Nintendo games. I remember watching Cinematech and being like, games can be this? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know games could, like, go, go this far, right? And that then led me into watching things like um, like X-Play and Attack of the Show and hearing people talk about video games and like, seeing a different side of the industry. For me, that meant so much, in, both in terms of expanding my idea of what video games were, but then also seeing people talk about it, right? Hearing people talk about it, experiencing that from a oh, shit, this is a thing people do. Like, you can talk about video games for work. Uh, you know, G4, for me, was a, was a big factor in that and exposed me to what games media is. And I'm sure that means a lot to a lot of people who probably, still, who probably do work in games media. And so, yeah, shout out, to, shout out to G4. And, of course, shout out to the cast that and, the, and all the employees that, that, that work there. Uh, wishing for the best for you. For now, Tim, mm-hmm. I want to tell people about patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can go and get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. Shout out to Shopify, the way that we and Rooster Teeth have powered the Kind of Funny store for years, and we absolutely love it. You can get this shirt there right now. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Start selling with Shopify and join the platform, simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses worldwide. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted, so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify and you will too. Shopify makes selling simple so you can put yourself and your ideas out there. When you're ready to launch your thing into the spotlight, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform backing millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Go on, try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash kfgames, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash KF Games to start selling online today. S H O P I F Y dot com slash KF Games. Next up, shout out to Raycon. I'm excited to tell you all about their new Raycon gaming series. The gaming series consists of two staple gaming audio products, the wireless gaming earbuds that are compact, portable, and universal, or the wireless gaming headphones that are comfortable and immersive. The HyperSync low latency technology lets you hear what you see lag-free. That's always great for games. Of course, because no gamer's just a gamer, Raycon's gaming series is just as perfect for music, podcasts, and crystal clear phone calls. Personally, I'm a huge fan of bumping these with a haptic vibration. It's the extra type of way that I like to live. It keeps me extra immersed in all of the sound. As always, you get a 30-day Raycon happiness guarantee with free shipping and returns. No questions asked. They also offer buy now, pay later options. So stay on the winning team and go to buyraycon.com kinda today to get 15% off your Raycon order. You'll also get $20 off Raycon's gaming earbuds or $10 off their gaming headphones. That's buyraycon.com kinda to score 15% off and even more savings. Buyraycon.com kinda plus this october raycon's got some special pricing up to 20 dollars off don't miss out by raycon.com slash kinda and we're back with story number four former bayonetta voice actor urges people to boycott bayonetta 3 this comes from ash parish at the verge over the weekend in a shocking series of videos shared on twitter helena taylor Bayonetta's original voice actor shared that the reason she did not return for Bayonetta 3 was because of an insulting offer for the role. As a result, she's asking fans to boycott the game, which releases on October 28th. 
On October 15th, the voice actor posted three videos on Twitter sharing her story, detailing her years of experience and training. Quote, and what did they think this was worth? She said in the video, quote, the final offer to do the whole game was 4,000 US dollars, end quote. Taylor called the offer an insult and asked fans to boycott the game and donate the money they intended to spend on Bayonetta 3 to charity. In the subsequent videos, Taylor said that she made the statement to stand in solidarity, quote, with people all over the world who do not get paid properly for their talents, end quote. She talked about the effect the offer had on her, on her and her mental health, worrying about losing her housing and ideations of suicide. Taylor's revelation comes amid a climate in which voice actors are increasingly sharing how little they're paid to voice some of entertainment's most popular characters. Anaris Quinones uh, revealed on Twitter she was only paid $150 to voice Rika Orimoto in the popular anime Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Other voice actors expressed similar concerns on Twitter. Uh, from there, I do want to pull in a, a tweet made by Jennifer Hale uh, the other day. Jennifer Hale is the current uh, voice actor who is voicing uh, Bayonetta in Bayonetta 3. She tweeted out a statement saying, quote, With regard to Bayonetta 3, as a longtime member of the voice acting community, I support every actor's right to be paid well and have advocated consistently for this for years. Anyone who knows me or has followed my career will know that I have great respect for my peers and that I am an advocate for all members of the community. I am under an NDA and am not at liberty to speak regarding the situation. My reputation speaks for itself. I sincerely ask that everyone keep in mind that this game has been created by an entire team of hardworking, dedicated people, and I hope everyone will keep an open mind about what they've created. Finally, I hope that everyone involved may resolve their differences in an amicable and respectful way. With love and respect to you all, Jennifer Hale. Tim, of course, this is making the rounds this last weekend. Wild story. It is wild, and it's so unfortunate, um, especially when we're talking about somebody that has been uh, iconic voice of a character for over a decade, right? And to, to be recast um, when it comes down to this reason, when it comes down yeah. to uh, poor payment, it is, it's so ugly it's so unfortunate and it, it's simply not fair to uh to her and to the value that she has brought to this character for for so long it's such a complicated situation with jennifer hale popping in and, and like you know once again bringing up there's so many talented people working on this game it's such a hard thing to deal with of like what do you do what do we do when it comes to this do we boycott bayonetta 3 is that the right answer and i feel like that is something that everyone needs to ask themselves about how they feel like this type of situation should be dealt with but i do think it is incredibly important to acknowledge how wrong this is you know yeah. to like to look at this and, and to listen to helena here and and to to see the realities of these voice actors because this is nothing new uh voice acting in video games voice acting in general doesn't get nearly the reverence um, in, in the Western side of things as it does in the Eastern side of things. And we see this a lot where um, a lot of the, in, in anime, a lot of the English dub actors are um, completely unfairly treated when mm -hmm. it comes to um, their contributions. And video games, I think, are um, in that same boat for the most part. This is uh, unfortunate where this is on platinum, right? Like this is yeah. on platinum games for, um, for mishandling all of this and for her to come out and expose it, I think is uh, very important. I think that this is going to be the first step in a shift um, towards bettering the, the output of I all of so. this. Cause yeah. I know like for Helena Taylor, right. I'm sure that's not an easy thing. Right. I think that's why you see so many people not be able to come out and actually speak the truth when it comes to, Hey, I'm being way underpaid or Hey, I'm not being treated well. It's the fact that you come out and do that. And it becomes that worry of, all right, if this doesn't go the way I want it to go, guess what? I might be screwing myself over on whatever next gig might come through to, to maybe hire me, mm -hmm. right? If you're coming out and you're like, hey, man, I'm being mistreated by Platinum Games, who is only offering me $4,000 for this character who, you know, when we're talking about Bayonetta 3, Bayonetta 3 is one of the flagship titles this fall for Nintendo, right? Like, that's a huge game. Like, it's arguably one of the bigger, maybe biggest game releases of the year, and she is playing, or has historically played, the title character. The title character. The like title it, character for the game. It's not just like a character in a video game. It's like she is a, a character with a personality. Like it's like she is Bayonetta, yeah. right? So and that's a character that like, you know, it's not one of them, it's not one of those types of roles where it is, hey, just a voice line here and there, right? Like, you know, a cutscene here and there. Like Bayonetta has a lot of lines in Bayonetta yeah. games, right? Bayonetta mm -hmm. talks a lot. That is a character that you identify with that you hear that um, you know, actually plays a role in their story. Like there's a lot of cutscenes in those games. So for you know, you to be 
the person who plays this this lead title role for this game. A game that is probably Bayonetta three, I imagine, is going to sell very well. Millions. Right? Again, Easy. like as a flagship uh, Nintendo Switch title for this fall, and a game that like is coming from a series that is historically good. The Bayonetta th uh, three previews uh, popped last week, and a lot of people are saying very good things about Bayonetta three. And I remember when Bayonetta two came out, a lot of people had very good things to say about Bayonetta two. I remember that game got a ten out of ten from Gamespot, and wow. I was like. Man, I wish I had a Wii on U. On the Wii U. <laughs> yeah, on the Wii U. Like, that, was my, that was the thing that was a barber for me is that I didn't have a Wii U. So I just looked at that 10 out of 10 and I was like, man, if only. <laughs> like the grass is green on the other side right now. Um, but the fact that you're playing that character and you're offered only $4,000 for, uh, for that lead role, that title role, that sucks. And I'm happy to see this picking up steam. I'm happy to see that people are really taking this to heart. I was looking at the tweets um, as they were coming out, right? Kind of just looking at impressions to see all right, are people noticing this? Are people actually, you know, spreading this message? And yeah, like this is this has gotten shared all over the place. I think people are really taking this to heart and people are really spe uh, speaking out about it. Uh, and there I want to bring in a question from Cozy Bear who wrote in a kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, just like you can, and says, with the news that Helena Taylor was offered a measly $4,000 to portray Bayonetta 3's titular protagonist having taken the internet by storm over the past weekend, the question stands, What's the best way for us video game fans slash content creators that aren't involved in voice acting to help support artists like Helena in getting properly paid for their work? And of course, like, you know, Helena's deal was coming out and saying, hey, let's boycott the game, right? And I think, I, I, I do think that is one of many possible solutions. I think another solution for me would be to be vocal about it. Let Platinum know, you know, let uh, spread the word in terms of, hey, this is an issue, right? Make sure this is a commonly known thing. Um, and yeah, to make your voice heard. I do think that that kind of PR fiasco does go a long way into, in terms of letting companies know that, oh man, we're fucking up and it's fucking up our bag. And there's nothing that companies want more than to protect their bag. And so that's, that's kind of where I would come from with it. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I such a broken record with this because I feel like stories like this happen all the time. But like to me, I always default to education. I always default to uh, wanting these type of things to turn into scenarios where people are learning more about how this stuff works and understanding the value of things and like just thinking about voice actors in a way that people don't often think about them, right? And to understand the value that they have. And I, I think a lot of people don't ever take a second to think about that. They just consume the content and then move on, not thinking about the people involved and uh, specifically when people are be being treated uh, unfairly. So um, I, I think that it is, to me, the conversation is always the most valuable part of this. When it gets into the boycotting and the this and the that, I, I don't agree with that type of thing. And if you do, more power to you. I think that there isn't a right answer to this. I do think that the, there are many wrong answers though. And mm. not doing anything is a wrong answer. Yeah. For sure. I think, yeah, not doing anything is the wrong answer. Also, wrong answer is, is going after people that might not be involved, right? Like, don't be shitty to Jennifer Hill, because I, I know there's probably a little bit of that going, uh, going around, right? And again, somebody who isn't involved in, like, th these kind of um, uh, decisions, and somebody who maybe didn't know the fact that, like, oh, is this why she's not reprising the role? Well, fuck. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. If I knew that, maybe I would have thought twice mm -hmm. about this decision, right? Like, I think being good to each other is also another one to throw in there in terms Always. of uh, how to deal with this and the, and the wrong ways to deal, deal, deal with this as well. Let's hop in to story number five. Sony's new DualSense Edge controller arrives on January 26th for 200 bucks. This comes from Tom Warren at The Verge. Sony is launching its new DualSense Edge wireless controller in January on January uh, or yeah in January priced at $199.99. The high performance controller is fully customizable, much like Microsoft's Xbox Elite controllers, and includes removable analog thumbsticks, rear buttons, changeable stick caps, and multiple control profiles. The DualSense Edge allows owners to change out stick caps for three types. You got standard, you got high dome, and you got low dome. There are also two swappable back buttons, a half dome or lever, that can be mapped to any other buttons, much like paddles found on other controllers. You can even replace the stick modules, which will be sold separately. Tim Ma fucking Gettys, the DualSense Edge controller, January 26th, 200 bucks. How you feel? <sighs> I wish it was right now. Yeah. Launch this thing with God of War. Like, this is just such unfortunate timing. And that's how things are sometimes, especially when it comes to, to hardware. Um, I'm excited for this. I'm a big fan of premium peripherals. I love the Xbox Elite Controller series. And uh, I'm excited that PlayStation's finally getting into that arena. 
Um, I hope that this is good. It seems like they have a lot of the things people would be looking for when it comes to this type of thing. $200, a lot of money. I hope that it is premium enough to uh, be worth that cost. I know that this is not something for everybody. Yeah. Um, but the Xbox Elite controller is fantastic, and it also was a lot of money, but I feel like that's the type of thing that they invested in it, and it paid off, and it is an option for people. And this being an option, I think, is an important thing for video games where I like when there are levels, when there are things where it's like, you don't need this one, but if you wanted something nicer, you can get that. Yes. I love watching the, the trailer for it. I think... In terms of the details around it, all the options, the paddles, like the swappable uh, elements of it, all that stuff sounds amazing to me. The one thing that bums me out is the price. $200 is a lot of money. Like, that is, like, you're almost getting to half the price of the console at that oh, point. Yeah. And of course, like, it's a premium, it's a premium, premium item, right? Like, it is something that is being aimed at the hardest of the hardcore. But, man, I wish it could have gone down to $150 or $100. Like, I'm looking at and the timing of this is funny because um, Xbox also announced today the uh, details of the uh, Elite Series 2 controller with Xbox Design Lab. Of course, like, you can now go in, customize it, and make it do, do all... What's going on here? I, I'll ignore it. Uh, you can, you know, customize your Elite... Eggs! Oh, yeah, eggs. I forgot about that. Yeah, eggs. Come on, everybody. <sighs> I'm going to go back to my room. Mike, you look great, man. <laughs> this suits you. <laughs> now, I see that your, uh, your, your tag here says Scarpino. Is that a... Yes, I'm the rookie, so I had to wear someone else's gear today. Okay. Now, what's this for? Oh, you guys are, you guys are playing Ghostbusters after this. Right, do you feel a chill at all, Blessing? Do you feel a chill? I, usually in this office, I do. Today, I feel like it's actually kind of warm in here. I feel you. I like. it is, it's warm in here. Yeah, it is, it is warm in here. Now... Greg, what are we preparing for? Play some Ghostbusters. It's the best day, best day of the year. Everybody, Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed is out right now. Come on, let's go, everybody. Let's Greg go. Miller, everyone. Wrap it up. Let's play. Look at these guys. Are you guys playing just by your, just you two, or do you guys have any special guests? What's the plan? Can I come through? Can I play some Ghostbusters? We have a few guests coming through, yeah. Well, oh. I have you booked for Friday stream for sure. Okay. Uh, but you're welcome to come in today if you want to play some. Yeah, don't I'll, worry about I'll it. I'll wait for Friday. Okay, I cool. want to see these guests. Okay, we got, well, we got Ilphonic coming through, the people who made the game. Oh. They're to come in, show us the pro strats, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I miss being this close to you. Yeah. I haven't smelled Greg in a long time. Coffee breath. Oh. <laughs> it's not bad. He smells good? Yeah. What scent yeah. is that? It's Greg. Greg, Greg what is this? <laughs> 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 but, oh, I love it here. God, right? It's great to be back in person. Getting back to the story, though, right? Uh, over here, I got, I'm got i on news.xbox.com, where Xbox talks about how you can personalize your Elite uh, Series 2 controller with Xbox Design Lab. Uh, whether you're looking for a custom-designed controller for yourself, a loved one, or a special game in your life, Xbox Design Lab provides a broad canvas for you to design the perfect controller. Since Xbox Design Lab launched in 2016, the number one fan request has been to include Elite controllers in our unique customization program to empower further personalization of our premium controller. Now you have billions of colorful ways to make the most customizable controller from Xbox unmistakably yours. We're excited to bring more choices to gamers around the world and can't wait to see how fans reimagine what it is to be elite. I scroll through because I'm trying to find the price of this thing because I want to say I want to say it's like $150. That sounds right. It, it, it says starting at $149.99, and then I think somewhere there's more for uh, $209.99. Okay, so reading through it, starting at $149.99 US dollars, uh, design the perfect controller for your collection with all the premium Elite Series 2 features. You can buy and personalize individual Elite accessory packs to pair with your Elite Series 2 controller, or you can get the controller with all the Elite components for $209.99. Nine cents uh, MSRP. So there you have it. Yeah, and like that's a deal. Like that's a, at least a, that's a better <laughs> deal than what the DualSense Edge is. It is interesting. I mean, the the Xbox Elite's been out for a long time. They've had multiple iterations. This new one coming out with the Design Lab, if I remember correctly, doesn't come with some of the more the premium stuff like the the case, which is incredibly dope. If you guys haven't seen the Xbox Elite Series Two and I guess Series One case as well, it is so cool. Where it comes with the this like charge port thing and it's just very 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 nicely set up and mm -hmm. it's it feels premium it feels like you are buying a premium product right and i wonder if the playstation uh edge the DualSense edge is going to have that same level of premium feel to it i expect that it will um i'm a DualSense fan like i would prefer the DualSense over the the um, xbox controller and in previous years when i've had the choice of playing a multi-platform game like even a resident evil 2 remake comes to mind mm. i chose to play it on the xbox one because uh not xbox one <laughs> 
one reason being that the Xbox uh, Series X uh, played that game better. But the other was I, I preferred to play with the Elite controller because it mm. was so premium and it feels so good. The weight of it all just is so nice. So I'm hoping that the Edge can can match that. But yeah, 200, it, it's a lot of money and I don't know if it is worth the investment uh, depending on the type of gamer that you are. A lot of the features of the series, um, the, the Xbox Elite controller, I don't even use. Mm. I kind of set it and forget it to a point where I put the things I, I like on it and I was like, I'm never going to touch this again. Like, I don't have multiple settings for different games. I'm just like, this is how I have it. And it's cool. Feels great. I love it. But do we need that for the PlayStation or is the DualSense original going to be enough for me? I don't know, but I'm excited to get my hands on it. Yeah, and I think part, part of what probably contributes to that price with the DualSense Edge also, uh, as well is the fact that it is the DualSense, right? Like, you're getting the adaptive triggers with that. You're getting the HD haptic feedback. You're mm -hmm. getting all the accoutrements that come with the uh, DualSense already. So I'm sure, like, having that stuff and then having the Elite options as well probably jacks up the price uh, a little bit on it. But I would love to see them find a happy medium. And I'll also love to see them, like, I, I love that we're at a point with consoles that uh, we are push, pushing these accessories that I do think are worth it for a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? Like, the DualSense, DualSense Edge sounds dope as fuck to me. I might not get it because of the price, but, like, if I see it, like, if it comes down in price or I, if I see it for a deal, I might cop that. The Xbox um, Elite stuff, specifically the Design Lab stuff, that speaks to me. I want that kind of customization in my controller. And I think, you know, seeing the DualSense Edge, um, you know, finally get a release date, I wouldn't be surprised now if years from now we get a, hey, now we have... PlayStation's version of Design Labs. Like, that's the kind of um, arms race that I want to see be between the two yes. consoles. And I think that's good for everyone to give us these options like that. I mean, it's finally happening. We've been wanting this for so long. Uh, yeah. A PlayStation premium controller, and they're doing it. And I think you're right that uh, we've been wanting a Design Lab for them for a long time. And I think at some point we might get something, something similar. But PlayStation always has kind of done its own thing when it comes to controllers. And they have been doing, I think, a pretty good job about getting controller colors out for the DualSense. Mm -hmm. um, I'm only two years into the PlayStation 5's life, there are a lot more controller color options than I expected there to be. Um, could always be more, but I do think the ones they have, very nice. I agree. Except for that uh, the camouflage one. I don't think I'm fucking with that. But so everything else. Gross. It's yeah. disgusting. Keep that on Xbox with Yuck. Mike Howard, you know? <laughs> Who am I hiding this controller from, Barrett? <laughs> the feds? <laughs> Story number six, Meta has acquired three studios and announces a new headset. This is Sal Romano at Gamatsu. Meta has acquired Armature Studio, Camouflage, and Twisted Pixel, the company has announced. Armature Studio is known for the development of the virtual reality version of Resident Evil 4, as well as the recently released Where the Heart Leads and more. Camouflage is the studio behind Marvel's Iron Man VR and Republic. And then Twisted Pixel is the creator of The Maw, Splosion Man, uh, Comic Jumper, Miss Splosion Man, uh, The Gunstringer, and Wilson's Heart. Uh, they also announced a new headset. This comes from the Oculus blog. MetaQuest Pro is the first entry in our new high-end line of devices, and it's packed with innovative features like high-res sensors for robust mixed reality experiences, crisp LCD displays for sharp visuals, a completely new and sleeker design, plus eye tracking and, and natural facial expressions to help your avatar reflect <laughs> you, you more naturally in VR. MetaQuest Pro will be available for purchase on October 25th for $1,499.99. $1,499.99. And that includes the headset, MetaQuest Touch, Pro Controllers, uh, Stylus Tips, Partial Light Blockers, and a Charging Dock. Tim, you ready to spend $1,500 on this VR headset? I'm not, but going back to what I was just saying, I'm happy we're hitting a point that there is a premium option. And I think yeah. that there already is the cheaper options. There already is the Quest, and they knocked it out of the park. The Quest is fantastic. So for them to also allow higher-end devices, um, I think is pushing the right direction for where VR needs to go in order to be something that everyone actually cares about and everyone being uh, a term that you understand what I'm saying with don't literally mean it. Um, but the what's interesting here is like they're saying crisp LCD displays. How is this $1,500 device not using OLED when the <laughs> right? PSVR is, right? Um, if they're talking about like that premium of a thing. I'm so interested when we look at the um, teams that Meta seems to be gathering because there's some really, really high quality, talented devs in the, in these uh, different groups, like Camouflage, as they're talking about here with the um, with Iron Man VR, VR, Republic, and all that. But then also Twisted Pixel, like Explosion Man, and all that. That was a moment in time, like uh, when it came to downloadable titles. Yeah, that uh, was like classic 360 arcade. Mm -hmm. shit. Exactly, and it's like they they kind of ushered in an era of 
what downloadable games meant. And I can see them kind of taking that idea because I think VR works best when there are these big premiere titles that like uh, Half-Life Alex, but when there also are focused experiences. And I can see the lessons and learnings that they've had from decades now, um, uh, or almost decades of working on these smaller titles, kind of translating that into smaller VR experiences. What's extra interesting though, Bless, is this arms race of VR that again, the competition is good. And for this to work, we need everybody kind of firing on all cylinders, syllables, syllables. that was for Greg. And um, we need them to kind of have more than just Half-Life Alex. Like that needs to not just be the example we use all the time because it's the only thing. And we have Horizon, right? Yep. Horizon has the potential to be that other thing. Apple is about to announce a VR headset as early as January. And they're pushing that as like a premium Apple product that we know how Apple does. They sell things to people that they don't need and convince them they need them. And then all of a sudden they do. If Apple is ready to come in at this point, we have PSVR 2 coming out. We have uh, Meta investing in its teams and then also putting out a higher quality one. I am utterly surprised that in late 2022, early 2023, VR still seems to be going as strong, if not stronger than ever. But here we are. Yeah. I, I think the arms race is very fascinating. Like, talking about it from the developer acquisition standpoint of it, Meta, before, you know, acquiring Armature, Camouflage, and Twist Pixel in the story, they also acquired Beat Studio a while ago, right? The studio that did uh, Beat Saber. Mm -hmm. And... When we're talking about VR and selling VR headsets, right, it's just like consoles where a lot of the conversation comes down to the games and the library that's on it. And I think I would say that in the VR games race of, I guess, like the this last generation of VR, since maybe we can refer to it as generations now, yeah. I'd say like in the, in the software race, PlayStation has had a pretty good lead in terms of, hey, we got, uh, we got I think uh, Tetris Effect, if I remember correctly, was PlayStation exclusive at first. We got that. We got Astrobot, uh, Astrobot's Rescue Mission. We got um, uh, Blood and Truth. We got... Iron Man VR. You know, Iron Man VR. There was like a slate there of PlayStation exclusive VR games. Moss. And like, uh, what was that? Moss. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, yeah, it was Moss PlayStation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there was a slate there that was killing it compared to other VR platforms. Of course, you didn't really have anything as big and grand as Half-Life Alex. Um, but I do think that the the volume kind of spoke for itself in terms of the volume and the, the and the quality of those games. Now we're seeing Meta make the moves to go, hey, yeah, no, we're going to have Armature. We're going to have Camouflage, you know, who did Iron Man VR. We're going to have Beat Studio, which Beat Studio is huge, right? Beat Saber, one of the biggest VR games out there, right? One of the ones that's most easy to understand. One of the ones that I would say is easiest to get into. As soon as I put that, beat, that uh, game on on my VR headset, I'm already sold on VR. Beat Saber's the killer app. Beat Saber 1, is the, the once you do it, you get it, you understand what VR is, and you can immediately be like, I understand what this is capable of. 1,000%. And, th and the thing that worries me a little bit about the uh, dev um, VR race is the fact that there's not that many VR devs to go around. And so seeing Meta acquire these different developers, I'm like, okay, well, oh, are we not going to see like another Beat Saber thing for PlayStation? Are we not going to see the next camouflage game on PlayStation? What is that going to do in terms of the, the, the volume and output of VR games on these on these platforms? Again, it's good for competition because I think that's going to drive these publishers to, and the, the VR manufacturers to have better libraries and make better games. But I wonder if it is going to feel like there's a drought of games because everything is going exclusive. I think it's incredibly important for the success of VR for um, as few things to be exclusive as possible in these early years mm -hmm. i think that this gener this generation of vr um everybody needs to kind of like almost work together to be able to sell it to the mainstream because then they can compete then they can have their well we got this and they got that but this is why you need our machine this is why our machine should be your vr machine because they all need to know and they understand that the market for people interested in VR is slimmer than the market for people interested in console gaming. And it's even a slimmer market for people that want to invest in multiple VR headsets. Yeah. Really quick, uh, they just you mentioned avatars and making avatars. Tim, is this what you want your avatar to look like in the meta? Are you kidding me? I want, somebody needs to blow me right now. <laughs> I went, I went to Avatar the movie painted blue. No way! In 2009, there are picture proof. And I, I did it. I did it the third time I saw that movie in theaters. That's like you know how okay. So when when uh, Black Panther came out, right? I did go to Black Panther in Nigerian garb, but I feel like that is like way less of an offense than like the I'm gonna go to Avatar Blue. <laughs> That's wild behavior, Tim. 
Hey, man, I'm a big fan of how blues. I, how what did I, I not say? know that about you? That's crazy. I don't know. Let's round out the Roper Report with story number seven. A new Mortal Kombat game has been announced, and it's not the one you want. This comes from Michael McWhorter at Polygon. The next Mortal Kombat isn't a traditional fighting game. Deve developer NetherRealm Studios' next project is a spinoff game called Mortal Kombat Onslaught, which the studio and publisher Warner Brothers Games described as a new collect co uh, collection role-playing game that's bound for mobile devices in 2023. According to a news release, Mortal Kombat Onslaught will let players build a team of fighters and battle in, quote, massive real-time group battles, end quote. The Mortal Kombat series has a lengthy list of playable characters and no shortage of side characters who could join them. So, a spinoff in the vein of free-to-play collection games like Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, Marvel Future Fight, and Pokemon Masters X seems like a good fit to exploit that deep roster. WB Games and NetherRealm revealed little in the way of details about Mortal Kombat Onslaught on Tuesday, but promised a, quote, cinematic story experience in addition to collection RPG mechanics. Ed Boon, chief creative officer of NetherRealm Studios and Mortal Kombat co-creator, said Onslaught will stay, quote, true to its core visceral nature and offer strategic team-based collection RPG with fast-paced group melee combat, end quote. Tim, I like Mortal Kombat. You like Mortal Kombat. Does this Mortal Kombat Onslaught game speak to you? Bless, it was blue latex paint, no. like, like dominatrixes use. And like, it was sticky, and I was sticking to everything. And I'm a hairy guy. I don't, we don't need to hear And then this when I would too. pull away, it would like rip off. It was really bad, guys. It was really bad. Uh, Mortal Kombat, new game. We've been waiting for an announcement, and this is not what we wanted to no. see. Bless, you and I were talking about it earlier. We wake up. New Mortal Kombat game. You're like, yes. And you see the name Onslaught and you're like, <laughs> that's not the next mainline title. <laughs> that, that ain't, that sound ain't like it. Mortal that's Mortal Kombat 12. We go in mobile, baby. And then you're like, okay, cool. Mobile Mortal Kombat. The first thing I saw was it's story based. I was like, the story stuff in Mortal Kombat is really what gets me in on it at this 1, point. So I'm not necessarily against this, whatever. And then you start getting into like the details of it and you're like, okay, this kind of feels like an expanded mini game for Mortal Kombat Deception. Yes. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, I had the same exact reaction where I wake up, I see Mortal Kombat Onslaught, I'm like, all right, that doesn't sound like the next game. What is it? I read that it's a mobile game, and I'm I'm somebody who I am not a mobile game person. It is very difficult to get me into a mobile game. That said, I do have Marvel Snap downloaded because that came out today, and so I'm very excited to actually play some Marvel Snap later. Um, but genuinely, or generally, I am not into into mobile stuff. When I saw Mortal Kombat mobile game, I was like, ah. I might give it a shot because I I do love Mortal Kombat enough to where if you if you give me a a game where I'm playing as those characters, I'll try it out. That sounds fun to me, mm -hmm. um, but not this. Though, like the way they described it, and I'm sure this is gonna be for somebody. Like yeah. this is me just knocking the game to knock it. It just it is not uh, for me, right? Talking about how it's gonna be like Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes and Marvel: Future Fight. Those are not my type of games, so I I'm not gonna play this. But like you know, you talk about the, those Mortal Kombat Deception mini games, and I'm like, dude, if they, if they gave me chess combat as a mobile game, oh, if they gave me puzzle combat as a mobile game, if they gave mm -hmm. me uh, what Puzzle was it? Combat. That's dope. What was the kart racer? Uh, kart combat. Was the kind of funny.com since you're wrong. That was an Armageddon. Mad Max. No, not that one. Not that one. It's a good <laughs> guess though. I would be all about that shit. Um, but you know, this ain't for me. I'm sure it's for somebody. But good on them for you know finding new ways to expand Mortal Kombat. I'm down for more Mortal Kombat um, um, projects. I'm surprised this wasn't announced last week at the Mortal Kombat 30th anniversary. Yeah, what the fuck know. was that about? Yeah. Why didn't you just announce it as part of that? <laughs> That's weird. But get this out the way so that we're uh, that we can uh, so that we can get into whatever the next big mainline Mortal Kombat is. Hopefully next year. Please give it to me, Ed Boon. But Tim, the next big mainline Mortal Kombat game is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each. And every weekday. Mm, do, 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 Out today, we got A Plague Tale Requiem for PS5, Xbox Series X, Switch, and PC. Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Them's Fighting Herds for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Nitro Kid for PC. Jennifer Wilde Unlikely Revolutionaries for PC. Dead Link Early Access for PC. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time for PC. Marvel Snap for mobile and PC. Hell yeah, I just want to stop you real quick right there. Kind of funny games cast later. I'm going to be giving all my thoughts on Marvel Snap. I absolutely love this game. Highly recommend you play it. If, uh, even if you're not into mobile games, if you like Marvel, if you like card games at all, 
this is I am having an absolute blast. One of my favorite games of the year. I I cannot wait to hop into it because I I'm coming off an inscription recently and I'm I got that card game like the 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 appetite for it. I'm like I'm ready to play a new card game and a Marvel card game sounds perfect. So I'm all, all about that. Uh, you also got Hidden Objects Collection Volume Four for Switch, Life in Willowdale Farm Adventures for PS5, PS4, and PC, NBA 2K23 Arcade Edition for mobile, and then starting today you can customize your Xbox Elite controller with Xbox Design Lab starting at $149.99. Uh, new days for you. Spider-Man Miles Morales is coming to Steam on November 18th. Square Enix will shut down the Final Fantasy VII mobile battle royale game, Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier, on January 11th, 2023. And then Sackboy's heading into uncharted territory with Nathan Drake and Chloe Frazier costumes, swinging into Sackboy A Big Adventure on October 19th. Related to that, related to that, mm -hmm. I just want to know. Yeah. This man who never not pays attention to the video game news, Blessing at AOA Jr., mm. we are launching the studio. Mm. The introduction video with Kojima is playing. We're about to do entrances, and then we all get a Slack in the Kind of Funny Games Daily Slack. Sackboy, Uncharted clothes. It's like, bless, we have a live show we're it's doing. It's an important piece of news. <laughs> he's, getting the, he's getting the Uncharted costumes. Chloe Frazier is going to be in, in Sackboy. <laughs> It's important. Who cares if we're launching a studio, all right? I got to let y'all know the news. I, just, I, 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 just, that, that, I, I love that story. I just wanted to be on the record. Deal of the day for you. Coming soon to Game Pass. Today, we're getting a Plague Tale Requiem. October 20th, you're getting Amnesia Collection, uh, Amnesia Rebirth, Phantom Abyss, and Soma. October 21st, you're getting Persona 5 Royal. Then October 27th, you're getting Frog Detective, the entire mystery. The entire mystery? Whoa. Whoa. All of it. Uh, you're getting Gunfire Reborn, and you're getting Signalis. Signalis? Signalis. I got to actually figure that one out because that's one that people are looking forward to. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Rewrite in. Let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Globe, 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 globe. <laughs> uh, somebody here, uh, Nana writes in and says RE4 Remake comes out March 24th. Uh, mm -mm, mm -mm. We got like clarifications on when Resident Evils were announced, but I think we got those right, so it's fine. More clarifications. Yeah, that's it. That's all we got wrong. Everything else is, is uh, editorializing, which we appreciate, mm -hmm. but it's you're wrong, not you editorialize nanobiologists all right calm down man calm yeah. down you know what i mean you know what i mean this week's host for kind of funny games daily go like this tomorrow you're getting me and greg miller thursday you're getting greg and tim and on friday you're getting tim and me that's right we're back at it like a bad habit if you're watching this live right now after this is mike and greg playing some ghostbusters spirits unleashed if you want to catch that stream later you can subscribe to youtube.com so it's kind of funny games uh remember this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games uh, and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Until next time, game daily. <laughs>